Welcome to KUNM Youth Radio. As we begin our journey into 2009, we want to honor the great work that was produced out of our Youth Radio project in 2008. I am Roberto Rael, the program manager for the KUNM Youth Radio Project. And I am Kamari Umi, technical guru for Youth Radio, and we will be your hosts for this evening's special program. Kamaria, many of our listeners will be happy to know that KUNM Youth Radio has received national and statewide recognition this past year. And we'll be sharing some of those segments with you. Youth Radio producers also worked hard to provide interesting and educational interviews and other segments. We started out 2008 with a bang, as then-17-year-old Jonklin Hill interviewed the one and only LeVar Burton, you know, the Reading Rainbow host, as he was in town for the kickoff to Black History Month here at the University of New Mexico. We aired just 15 minutes of the whole interview, but he actually spoke with John Cullen for more than 45 minutes. Let's listen to a little bit of that interview. This is John Cullen with KUNM 89.9 Youth Radio, here with LeVar Burton, right after the Black History Month kickoff brunch on Saturday, January 26, 2008. And um, another point you made before you talked about literacy. Mm-hmm. And I remember being young and watching Reading Rainbow. You remember being young, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, or you I remember remember being little. I remember <laughs> watching Reading Rainbow uh-huh. and things like that. Right. And just the importance of reading in particular. Like recently I started reading um, Women, Race, and Class by Angela Davis. Mm. And she talked about how when... The slaves were freed. The first thing they wanted to do was be able to read because they mm-hmm. wanted nothing more than to look in their Bible and understand right. what it says. Right. Why do you think reading is something that people just long for to do, something that's so important? You know, you raised such a good point. I believe that it is a fundamental aspect of being human, that thirst for literacy, to be able to decipher um, the written word in one's own native language and then to go on and you know crack the code in another language but to to crack the code in at least one's native language opens up the wealth of knowledge and information that is the collected knowledge and information of a people again it's about access that's why the internet is so powerful because now everyone has access to information and the gatekeepers no longer have a stranglehold on the ability of one to educate oneself. I just think it's, it's, it's as fundamental an aspect of being human as is our desire to gather around the fire and tell stories. Mm-hmm. And we don't so much gather around the fire these days, but we do, you know, we do get together and we share stories, be it you know, in the kitchen or in a movie theater. But storytelling and sharing stories is a fundamental aspect of what it means to be human, that desire, to read, to have knowledge of letters is, I really, I, I believe it's central to, to being, to being human. Mm-hmm. And um, there's another question I want to ask. And so I know you talked about education before and literacy. And um, I've spent a good chunk of my, like, years in school under this administration mm-hmm. and the No Child Left Behind Act. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that. I, you know what, I would be such a fan of, of, of the no child left behind policy if it indeed didn't leave any children behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I am hopeful that this political season will bring about a, a real honest debate about the need and necessity uh, to improve our educational system in this country. In fact, I, I would love to, I'm a big supporter of Barack Obama, and, mm-hmm. and, and I don't care who you vote for. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important to exercise the vote. Like you were talking about in Angela Davis's book, one of the first things that freed slaves wanted to do was learn how to read. There are a lot of folks who gave their lives mm-hmm. in order for me to have the opportunity to learn how to read. Mm-hmm. It was against the law at one time in this nation for a person whose skin was as dark as mine Mm -hmm. to be caught reading a book or even being taught how to read. That law has changed. Conversely, I think it's equally important to remember that there are a lot of people who shed blood 
and lost life to give me the ability, the right to participate through one man, one vote in this democracy. I don't take it lightly. I don't take literacy lightly, and I don't take the right to vote lightly. All right, before you go, Mr. Burton, I just wanted to thank you again. Um, it's really a rare opportunity that I could sit down and talk with someone as prominent as yourself. And I just also wanted to thank you with the work you've done for and with the African-American community. You know, it's been my pleasure. I, I've had a really good time here in New Mexico, and I've met a lot of fantastic people. Uh, I hope to be back real soon. Thanks, John Quinn. Thank you so much again. Thank you. I'm John Quinn Hill with Youth Radio for KUNM 89.9, Albuquerque, Santa Fe. As a child, I would always watch LeVar on Reading Rainbow, so it was an honor to meet him in person, and I was very impressed with his message. I agree. It was a great experience to listen to him and what he had to say. But I know that Jonquilin also very much impressed him with her thought-provoking questions. We'd like to thank Dr. Finney Coleman and LeVar Burton for making that interview possible for us. For the past three years, we have worked in collaboration with the New Mexico Media Literacy Project and the Department of Health to produce winning radio public service announcements for a very special youth media project called Talk Back to Big Tobacco. Four of our youth radio producers, Jonklin Hill, Carson Lafferty, Maya Keytown, and Miles Anderson, had the opportunity to use their creative juices to produce the following public service announcements. Yes, the scripts were written by teens from all over New Mexico, and out of about 200 scripts that were submitted, only four were selected for radio production. Our youth radio producers then collaborated with teens and adults from the community to produce the spots. This first PSA we're going to listen to was produced by Maya Keytown, and it was titled, I Choose. I choose not to smoke because my best friend quit sports because breathing was hard after he started smoking. I choose not to smoke because my mom started smoking right after my brother was born. Now he has severe asthma. I choose not to smoke because my dad died from cardiovascular disease. I chose to smoke. I thought it would make me look cool and sexy. Cancer is not sexy. Tobacco kills 438,000 people every year. To smoke or not to smoke? That is the question to ask yourself before you become another statistic. Leave a Message was the next PSA produced by Jonquilin Hill. This PSA was all youth-written, produced, and voiced. Hello, you have reached the desk of Tommy's Tobacco Corporation. Leave a message. Almost 25% of all Latino high school students smoke, lo cual no es nada comparado con sus ganancias anuales. I'm aware of your attempts to reach more minority customers. You know, your whole idea of building on black history, yeah, well, it's not working. A tobacco-related disease kills over 180,000 women a year. Last year, one of those was my mother. You may have gotten her, but you won't get me. Don't, Don't become, become another, another victim, victim of corporate, corporate tobacco. tobacco. Get, get the, the message. message. Carson Lafferty produced this next spot, which had a Native American influence and was titled, And Know What? Hello, my name is Linda. I miss my best friend. I miss talking to her about all my problems and all my secrets. I wanted to tell her what happened on our field trip today, but you know what? I can't. She died of heart failure from abusing cigarettes. My best friend was my mother. I'll never forget what she said, walk in beauty in all four directions. I choose to walk away from cigarettes now and forever. Our final PSA was produced by Miles Anderson, and it was entitled, Swear to Tell the Truth. Tobacco industry, you are being charged for murder in the first degree. How do you plead? Your Honor, the tobacco industry pleads not guilty. Tobacco industry, are you aware that you kill 36,000 people a month? A month? How can you say you're not guilty? I don't force people to smoke. I don't put the cigarette in their mouth and light it for them. I don't actually kill people. You killed my daughter! Tu mataste mi tío. You gave me emphysema. I believe we reached a verdict. Guilty. One out of every five deaths is caused by tobacco. These pieces were showcased at the Statewide Fame and Shame Awards. The Fame and Shame Awards is an annual event that the New Mexico Media Literacy Project hosts to advocate awareness on how Hollywood movies have become one of the most powerful pro-tobacco influence on youth. 
We want to thank the New Mexico Media Literacy Project and the Department of Health Tupac Office for this wonderful opportunity to collaborate in this important statewide project. If you would like more information, you can go to www.talkbacknmmlp.org. Our youth radio project is committed to sharing the voices of New Mexico youth. Our next segment highlights youth expression via spoken word. Two dynamic poets, Faustino Villa and Serena Reyes, who are trained out of the National Hispanic Cultural Center's Voices program, shared some of their powerful poetry. My Mexican senses are tingling. There must be a peener in need. So I jumped up the top window of my rancho, landed directly on my yegua. Yeah, yeah. She started to jump, buck, and kick, and took off. When we finally flew into town, there was a paletero in need from a drunk bump stealing for his greed. I said, stop in the name of frijoles. He looked at me and laughed. <laughs> what are you going to do to me? You wear your chonas on top of your pants. No contabas con mi astucia. He didn't know, but he just opened a big can of pintos. It made me more stronger than Popeye, more furious than Hulk. It gave me huevos rancheros. So the fight of the century was on. It was on like Donkey Kong. It was on like, you ready? You ready? Let's get it on. So I was going to serve him up like Pollo Loco with a two-piece and a biscuit. But as soon as I got near him, he poked me right in my eye. Hijo de tu. I was useless, defenseless. I thought I was done. But then from the center of the crowd, I heard a little muchito say, you can't lose, you my hero. And then he started to cheer out. Si se puede, si se puede. Then everybody else joined him. Si se puede, si se puede, si se puede. So in my only good eye, I was able to see the toothless coward. <laughs> So I grabbed my guarache, I aimed with all my Indio accuracy, and threw it with 100% Mexican strength. It swerved, curved, and hit precisely in his treasure. Oh, como dicen, family jewels. He dropped to his knees from the swirling pain in his stomach. Ay, ay. The crowd went wild, picking me up to the shoulders, proudly cheering, Justicia, Justicia, Justicia. But until next time, amigos, yo soy super fijol. Yeah, yeah. I'm only a little more than what you see, but not necessarily what you get. I'm grandma's stories because someday she'll forget to remember. I am mother's eyes because hurt has already blinded her. I am holy genes because sometimes Bibles just aren't enough. I am childhood prayers never answered and faith lost like faces, both becoming less familiar every day. I am roses that go farther than funerals and glow in the dark stars because the real ones are always too far. I am music from my dad's guitar, strung to help me dream, not sleep. I am leftover flesh and blood from my ancestors and I can't remember what the first day tasted like. I am a million thoughts to burn and always short a match. Ink alternatives because sometimes this world is just too real. I am the tear in the eye of an unborn child, the given right to question but only the hope for an answer. I am the filth under your nose that you like to pretend isn't there. I am the seven out of ten screams that don't turn into sirens. I am guns made to blow minds right into boxes and birds that try to fly away to better places. I am guilt-stained sidewalks that take more than rain to wash away. I am deals made with drugs when all other bets fail. I am a little girl's sweet smile that heals everything, if only for a second. I'm goodbye said more to strangers than loved ones, and I'm always more than a cheap bus ride away from home, but I am definitely worth the wait. Serena, thank you so much. That was really inspiring. It makes me want to go home and like write my own poem. Uh, Faustino, do you want to read another one of your poems? Sure. I'm not supposed to remember, but I still do. When my mother and auntie were speaking the secret of silence, as I used the excuse of playing with my cousins, as if I didn't hear anything. But in reality, it was like if they were whispering directly into my ear. Ya no tengo EBT, Section 8 me sigue cobrando más, más. Ya no sé qué hacer. I'm not supposed to remember, but I still do. Cereal, but no milk, trying to play it off with anger. 
G.I. Joe's blast, toys, cars, crash. I'm not supposed to remember, but I still do. Those nights where I was tucked in warmly and tightly, a kiss goodnight. My father's arrival, my mother's worst fight. ¿Dónde está mi comida? Pues te la hice, pero te tardaste mucho y se puso fría. No, I was able to hear my mother's pain run down her face. Yeah, ya no me pegues más. Ya no me pegues más. Ya no me pegues más. I'm not supposed to remember, but I still do. The abuse of a drug father, the rage that I was raised in, of not being able to do anything. Mommy, I love you. I'm not supposed to remember, but I still do. The depression, the therapeutical sessions, he's no longer progressing. I'm not supposed to remember. Shoot. I don't want to remember, but I still do. Click, clack, boom. Faustina, that was so powerful. The courage that you have to read that on the radio, no, even like to write something like that is very, very, like it's courageous. And I, I just really enjoyed that. Thank you. Here at KUNM Youth Radio, we are always looking for opportunities to further educate our listeners about young people who make a difference in our community. We are also committed to having our youth producers focus on social justice issues. The next segment that we want to share is an interview conducted by Lucia Martinez with young activists from Mississippi, Texas, and New Mexico at the South by Southwest gathering that was hosted by the Southwest Organizing Project, SWAP, last summer. I'm Lucia Martinez from KUNM's Youth Radio Project, and today I'm here with Paul Santibanez and Elizabeth Solis from Southwest Workers Union in San Antonio, Khalil Johnson and Xavier Jones from Southern Echo in Mississippi, and Area Cardiel from Southwest Organizing Project in New Mexico. Hi, guys. Hey. Okay, so first we're going to start out with your name, organization, city, state, and how old you are. My name is Paul Santibanez, and I'm with Southwest Workers Union. I'm 16 years old, and I'm from San Antonio, Texas. Hi, I'm Khalil Johnson. I'm 19, and I'm with Knowledge Citizens for Quad Education, which is also a group with Southern Echo out of Mississippi. I live in Lexington, but I go to school in Jackson, Mississippi. Hi, my name is Xavier Johnson. I'm with the Tunica Teens in Action from Tunica, Mississippi. I'm 15 years old. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Solis. I'm 17 years old. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, and I'm with Southwest Working Union. My name is Aurea Cardiel, and I'm with the Southwest Organizing Project here in um, Albuquerque, and I'm 17. Okay, thank you guys. So, what do your organizations do, and how did you become a part of it? Let's start with Aurea. Well, the Southwest Organizing Project is a nonprofit community organization. So, basically, we work in the community, and we have several campaigns, and the youth campaign right now is the Take Control campaign, which is equal access into schools so we could be in the schools as much as military recruiters are and educating um, students about other opportunities like scholarships or other vocational schools and other alternatives to the military. Thank you. Elizabeth? The Southwest Workers Union help out the low-income families. We're a grassroots organization, so we don't make profit out of it. We try to help out the community as much as possible. And the way I got involved in it, um, they actually started a youth program, and they came to my school. And I really wanted to know what they were doing. So I started seeing that they were taking into environmental justice and wanting to go green and go into a garden and fighting for, you know, rights. So I got involved in it. I got an internship, so that's how I really got more involved in it. Thanks. Xavier? Well, the Tunica Teens in Action, we give the young people something to do when they're out of school instead of getting in trouble. And we have youth summits every year. We celebrate Juneteenth. We have our culture, Kwanzaa, and Christmas celebration. And I became a part of it because I saw my uncle and the good things that they were doing. And I wanted to get in it, too. Okay. How about you, Cleo? Um, the group that I'm with, Knowledge Citizens Required Education, short CQE because there's a lot of um, names for it. We are, just like everyone else said, we're just a community leadership-based group that really gives voice to the youth in our community. We have this thing where we're growing our own leaders. A lot of times um, our communities are given leaders by other people, so we decided we want to grow our own leaders from small infant children on up. 
I've been in this work. I'm 19 now, so I basically say for 19 years. Um, my father is um executive director of Southern Echo, so I've been around this work all of my life. They gave me the choice to come into it if I wanted to, but there's really no choice because when you've been doing this all your life and seeing other people do this, you want to get into it too because you see how much fun it is to actually go out and to get your rights and your voice heard. Okay, thank you. So how about you, Paul? Me, um, well, I work with SWU, too, Southwest Workers Union, and it's an organization of low-income workers and families of community residents, and we, we try to um, give, like, the community a voice when they don't. And um, the way I got into the um, into the program was by my sister. She had called me, and she told me if I wanted to join it, and that's how I got in. Okay, thanks, guys. Um, and so this is going a little bit deeper. Why is the work that you do important to you? Well, Paul right here, I think it's important to me because um, I don't want to be blindsided, like, just walking this earth not knowing my culture and not knowing my struggle and stuff. So, like, I just like informing myself about my people, about my history, and about other people's history and stuff like that. And plus, I like I like doing it. Can I add on to that, Elizabeth? Um, I think it's important because, to me, it's important because I get to learn my history, the true history, the one that they don't include it in textbooks in school. You know, I want to learn about the Chicano and Chicana movement, and I want to compare it to other, you know, other history and to make sure, you know, I'm actually learning the truth. So to me, it was important joining because now I actually know, actually, you know, what, what went on in my history, and I know more about my backgrounds, not just, you know, the American backgrounds. Definitely. Xavier? It's important to me because I have something to do when I get out of school, and I help in the community, and I help other people get involved. Okay, thank you. Um, this area, and it's important to me because we all deserve rights, equal rights, and working towards um, those rights is very empowering. And um, it's also important to me because it's been around all my life and it's what I know. This is Khalil, and why it's important to me is because it allows me to take ownership of myself. I think a lot of times we try to pass our, off our responsibilities to other people, and I think that being in this work, shows that I need to step up and to do things on my own and not to let other folk do it for me. Um, it gives me a sense of self-pride being able to do things on my own. And it's also the history that's being learned, not only my own history, but other people's history, the history that we don't get in the classroom. Awesome. Okay, so what is the most daring thing you've done as a youth organizer? We're going to start with Paul. The most daring thing that I've done was um, in 2006, May 1st, when I had organized to create a walkout and... Um, I got over like a hundred people to do it, and we all walked out, and we showed the school and the government that the immigrants had rights too, and that's what I did. That's great. Well, I did the same thing, but it was on April 10th of 2006. Um, we organized with what? Well, then I was in the Asunida Youth Committee, and we organized with students from SWAP and Albuquerque High and Rio Grande to walk out for the immigrant um, reform and um, it was a great experience. Um, we did have a little barrier at our school in particular because um, the principal had the student body president have their own rally at the high school and um, that prevented a lot of students from walking out with us and joining the rest of the city. But overall it was, it was fun and great. And Okay, thanks guys. That was our Lucia Martinez interviewing Paul Santibanez and Elizabeth Soli from the Southwest Workers Union in San Antonio, Khalil Johnson and Xavier Jones from Southern Echo in Mississippi, and Area Carial from the Southwest Organizing Project here in Albuquerque. It was cool to see young people who are interested in social justice to meet, share, and learn from each other. Keep up the great work that you do in the community. Thanks to SWAP for helping to coordinate that great interview. Another awesome experience we had in 2008 was when two of our youth producers, 15-year-old John John Guzman and 17-year-old Carson Lafferty, were selected to attend the 33rd Annual National Federation of Community Broadcasting Conference, NFCB, in Atlanta, Georgia. Only 18 youth from across the country were selected to attend a special youth training. The focus of the training was on the First Amendment rights and what responsibility youth journalists have. 
And as a follow-up project, John John and Carson produce commentaries on First Amendment rights. John John's commentary is about the criminalization of youth. In this piece, he describes his personal encounters of being criminalized. After that, we will hear from Carson and his commentary about the great law of peace, how indigenous tradition actually shaped the writing of the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That is our First Amendment right, but for some reason the right seems to have been skewed a little from its original state because of the way certain adults are treating today's youth. Authority figures are criminalizing youth. My definition of the term would be if a young person, 20 or under, are accused of a crime or offense they did not commit. They were singled out by the crime due to their age and an authority figure's discrimination against youth. Authority figures are making exceptions and conditions for why the rule doesn't apply. Their usual remarks are, oh, they're too young. They don't know what they're talking about. They're, they're just troublemakers. You know what? I get it now. I can see that many authority figures are oppressive towards the youth simply due to the fact that they're young. What brought me to this epiphany was my experience with police officers on UNM campus. It was uh, a couple weeks ago, me and Miles Anderson, who works here at, at Youth Radio with me, and uh, my friends Emilio and Sam were hanging out around the University of New Mexico campus and then as, uh, as Miles and I are sitting there on a bench in front of these statues, a UNM police officer comes up to us and says, give me your ID. And the first thing that came to my mind was, uh-oh, what have I done? So the first thing that came out of my mouth was, what have I done? And the police officer says about halfway through my sentence, I was like, what have I, and he's just like, you know, you, you don't have the right to ask us that. You can't ask us that. We don't have to answer you. Just just give me your ID. I refuse to have my words suppressed anymore by certain adults who feel that youth are below them. What I have to say is just as important as what anyone else has to say. I refuse to let some adults act like I don't have rights. We have equal rights and regardless of my age, I know I have the right to express myself through what I say, and that even a police officer should listen to me and at least let me ask a simple question like, what is going on? And I asked him again, I said, well, why do you want my ID? And he says, well, we know you kids are being little troublemakers and uh, you just need to give us your IDs right now. And just as I was like about to ask him a third time, another police officer comes up in a uh, in a police car, like right in the middle of campus. The first guy was on a bike, and then this guy pulls up in a car. So I thought whatever we did must have been kind of serious. This police officer, he gets out, and he was like, so uh, are these the taggers? And he said this to the other police officer. And the moment he said that, I got so mad because I knew immediately that it was just like the profiling, that there might have been two two teenagers who were going around tagging and it made me so, so mad that they were just going to pick two teenagers out of, like, the hundreds or whatever that roamed the campus. And uh, that just, oh, God, I was so upset right then. So I decided if I know I didn't do it, then I might as well just give him my ID. So I gave him my ID, and Miles didn't have his ID, so he just told him his name. And so the police turned around and talked to each other for a while. And uh, they said, they come back and they tell us, oh, well, we've decided you're, you're not our taggers. And I was like, oh, yeah, we were trying to tell you that this whole time. And he's like, you know what? And I didn't say, like, in a smart aleck tone or anything like that. I was like, yeah, we don't, we don't have anything on us. We don't have any Sharpies, any spray paint. I don't even have a pencil on me. And uh, the guy was like, you know, don't, don't, talk, don't talk back to me. And I, that made me so mad. I wasn't even talking back. I was just, like, trying to explain myself, and they wouldn't even let me do that. They were cutting me off in between everything I said.
it was starting to annoy me so much that these police officers are demanding this respect, this great amount of respect for them because they're police officers, but yet they don't give us the, the respect that we deserve. And if they want to get anything out of us, then they have to show us that they respect us. And it, it just bugged me so much right then. So after, after they come back to us and they say, oh, well, we decided you're not the taggers, what they said to us after that is the part that was mind-blowing. They, they just tell us, but uh, you're still going to juvie. And I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Why am I going to juvie? He's like, I think you know why you're going to juvie. I was like, I wouldn't be asking if I knew why I was going to juvie. And he says, okay, well then uh, give me your skateboards and then I'll tell you. And Miles didn't have a skateboard. I didn't have a skateboard. And my two other friends don't even would probably kill themselves on a skateboard. Like, we were just sitting there. We were sitting right there. And he was like, and I told the police officer, I was like, we don't have a skateboard. We we don't have a single one. And he was like, yeah, well, then what's behind you? And I turned around, and there's, like, dirt and a bush behind us. And I was like, nothing. There's nothing behind us. I have no spray paint. I'm not tagging anything. And I have no skateboard. I'm not skateboarding anyways. And they're like, okay. Well, uh, you kids you kids got off easy this time. But uh, next time... Don't don't you even think about coming back here and skating. And I was just like, oh my god, I can't I can hardly believe that just for being my age, this is what I get. I mean, it still bugs me every once in a while. I think about it and I'm like, why why did they come to me and why do they feel the need to criminalize every single kid who's around this campus? And it's like I've seen it happen to a bunch of other kids before, you know, getting kicked off of campus for skating and stuff. But it's, I don't know, it never seemed like it did anybody any harm. I don't understand what they're doing. Not all youth are suckers or at all easy to take advantage of. And even fewer are troublemakers. This is a prejudice against a silent group. A group that is being forced to keep quiet by some authority figures who feel superior to youth. When an authority figure tells me to do something that is against my rights as a human being, I feel upset and angry because I know that I should be able to speak up. We will not be silenced anymore. Authorities like those two police officers have been cutting off my words and interrupting me for too long. If those cops had looked at me and seen something other than the stereotypical troublemaker teen, they wouldn't have even approached me. But instead, they told me I was a troublemaker and then would not let me say anything in return. With no way to explain myself, what more am I supposed to do? And it's not just me, it's youth all around the nation. Being a youth radio producer, I have this incredible chance to make my voice heard about this topic that is affecting kids everywhere. And an opportunity to tell youth in my community that they have their First Amendment rights to speak freely, have free press, freedom to peacefully assemble, freedom to petition, and freedom of religion. Let us make a difference by spreading the word of our rights to our fellow youth. The first step to ruling out youth criminalization is making sure everyone is well-educated of their rights as a human being. This is Jonathan Guzman with KUNM Youth Radio Project, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Way the situation how you want, right? The loving that you claim is just a four-letter word. The third letter's inviting, so visualize the verb. You curve thought ways when you're handling the candelabra. So you're sitting on the baby grand, transmitting like you made a man. But you paint a funny face like a chick. When I see you, I'ma tell you quick that uh For me, there's this basis of mixed feelings that swirl inside me. Anger is one of them. Completely frustrated by the fact that when I really look hard into the base foundation of this nation's democracy, I realize it was all assimilated from the Great Law of Peace. The Great Law of Peace was created to provide equality and unity amongst its people. 
This law was written to prevent war amongst tribes and make sure no one has more power than any of the rest. What enrages me is to see how the origins of America's roots described in TV, magazines, and history books are of this ideal image of the white man making it on his own when he arrived here, giving this illusion of him withstanding the elements of nature, fighting off Native Americans who are described as uncivilized and savages. The birth of the white man's nation came at the repression and genocide of the indigenous people. In fact, it was these savages who helped these foreigners live off the land. In fact, it was these savages who inspired the founding fathers to assemble the Constitution of the United States based upon their system of government. In fact, it was these savages whose great law of peace carried aspects very similar to the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution, believing that the individual has the birth-given right to freedom of belief, the right to be heard, and to have a voice in the community. As I examine my feeling of displeasure, I look past my own pain, and resiliently, I am filled with pride, the dignity to know that when I see Navajo veterans carrying the Navajo Nation and American flag and powwow ceremonies, I remember to be proud of my Navajo culture and always be appreciative of our First Amendment and many other amendment rights that we inherited from those upstanding indigenous men and women who fought to attain a sense of peace and freedom. I am proud to be a Native youth in this country. This is Carson Lafferty with KUNM Youth Radio Project. Little Indians walking two by two Three girls, one boy Losing faith with the world One by one Moving towards the front One by one Moving towards the front Carson and John John learned a lot about free speech and their First Amendment rights while attending this national conference as they worked with professionals in the fields and with other youth producers from around the nation. Thanks to NFCB for the wonderful experience for our youth for that. Thanks to NFCB for that wonderful experience for our youth. We put a lot of our youth produced segments on a national audio portal called Public Radio Exchange or PRX. Hear community radio stations from across the country and actually internationally can listen and license our pieces. John John and Carson's commentaries can be found there, as well as many other KUNM youth radio segments. So, if you like what you hear, you can go to prx.org and listen to more of our great radio pieces. This next segment is also on the Public Radio Exchange website. Youth radio producer Diana Barron-Moore interviewed Sandio and Pat Humphreys of the band Emma's Revolution when they came to Albuquerque to perform a benefit concert. Emma's Revolution is a duel of award-winning activist musicians. Their folk-style music inspires hope and action. Diana conducted a very heartfelt and intriguing interview where they discussed the relevance of music and politics. All the world were peaceful now and forevermore. Peaceful at the surface and peaceful at the core. All the joy within my heart would be so free to soar. And we're living on a living planet, circling a living This is Diana Barron-Moore for Youth Radio, and today I'm in studio with Pat Humphreys and Sandy O of Emma's Revolution, who I actually got to hear last summer at the United States Social Forum, and now they're in Albuquerque doing a concert, and they were gracious enough to come in the studio and have a couple words with me, so welcome and thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. So... I guess my first question for you is one that I know you've been asked over and over and over again. Um, I guess when you have a name in your in your band name that's not necessarily totally—it's um, <laughs> not either of our names, right? Right, right. <laughs> hmm. 
so could you talk about why Emma Goldman is an influential figure for you or inspirational figure? I think, you know, we're, we're inspired by uh, any women who speak up, mm-hmm. you know, and especially I think uh, it was so different for uh, women who uh, lived in the time period that uh, that Emma lived in. Mm-hmm. She lived from 1869 to 1940. Mm-hmm. And that was a, um, for one, it was a particularly um, violent incredibly difficult period for uh, the labor movement and she was very outspoken about the rights of workers Mm -hmm. and um, you know she spoke up at a time about women's rights um, when it was not entirely popular to speak up but she really felt that uh, a woman's role should be much expanded from you know what uh, the constraints you know that women were confined uh, by during that time and um, she was also very outspoken against the war during that period. She was talking about World War One, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, you know, a war resistor at that time, I think, uh, right. was kind of a remarkable thing, and it was a very risky thing, right. uh, especially for a woman. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we have tremendous respect for her, but also it was the the attitude with which you know she went about her activism. You know, she really felt like it was necessary for people within the movement to be able to celebrate and cut loose a little bit. And mm-hmm. and that's something I think that many activists today um, still have difficulty doing. You know, right. we get so driven by by the immediacy of the, the issues, the urgency, mm-hmm. um, that it's hard for some of us to, to just take a break sometimes and, you know, restore ourselves a little bit and, and feel like that's an okay thing to do. And mm-hmm. I think it's really, um, it's, it's pervasive in the, in this kind of work. So, right. um, I think she's a good reminder, um, okay. of how to remain, um, playful and hopeful and have a good time while you're addressing, you know, difficult issues. Because of that famous phrase that's been attributed to her, um, mm-hmm. she's, you know, no matter what you know about her as an activist, most people know this phrase that's attributed to Emma Goldman, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. Right. And so you have your guitars out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was thinking we ought to do vote. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. If they can count 424 billion for war, why can't they count our vote? count thousands of bombs and still be buying more why can't they count our votes we're not done we're not tired we won't stop until dick cheney you're machines that register each sale why can't they count our votes but they made voting machines that leave no paper trail and why can't they count our votes we're not done we're not tired we won't stop until michael mukasey you're Anyone who doesn't know waterboarding is torture is fire! <laughs> PRX collaborates with National Public Radio, NPR, to podcast a few youth pieces on a special audio portal called YouthCast. In 2007, we took a few young people to the first ever U.S. Social Forum. Lucia Martinez wrote a commentary based on that experience entitled The U.S. Social Forum and how it inspired me to create change. Now, in 2008, YouthCast selected her commentary to be featured. Youth producer Lucia Martinez of KUNM reflected on what she viewed as a split country and offered advice on how we could change and truly become united. I'm a creator, a leader. I'm a visionary. Hear my voice! This is Lucia Martinez from KUNM's Youth Radio Project in Albuquerque, New Mexico. 
I am 14 years old, and I had the opportunity to attend the first ever United States Social Forum in Atlanta, Georgia. My experience at the forum inspired me to write this commentary. The war for oil has waged on for four years. No weapons of mass destruction have been found, and now the United States has its bloody eyes set on Iran. We live in a time when the mass media is in line with the government, when it's okay to arrest and punish people without a trial, and when torture is accepted, but only if it's in Guantanamo Bay. It makes you wonder: Is there something wrong here? The United States is a split country. There is the government, and there are the people. The government, which is owned by multinational corporations, makes decisions based on what's going to put more money in the corporations' pockets, while ignoring the people's demands. The people turn their heads from the government's wrongs and drift into denial because it has become unpatriotic to think and use your rights. Look what happened to the Dixie Chicks when they spoke up. The people are split as well. We are divided by sexism, racism, ageism, and violence. Our own country's current government has only added fuel to these fires by keeping us disunited. Take immigration, for example. The government tells us that immigrants are taking our jobs while they are sending people to Beirut to find guest workers. This is because when the people are divided, they can't overthrow a government. Divide and conquer. It's time to unite and to create a new United States, and make it the people's country, not the corporations. The question here is, how do we even begin to do this? First, we need to look at ourselves as human beings, because change starts small and grows big. Ask yourself, am I the best possible person I can be? Don't judge people, because nobody is perfect, and be open to new things. The future is ahead of you, not stuck in the past. Next, we need to unite as people, get past differences and all the isms that have been dividing us. We are all just human beings, the same species on the same planet. No one person is better or superior over the next. Now, we need to imagine the world and the U.S. as we want it, and stand up for what we believe in. In unity comes power. We each have the power to change the world in whatever way we want. I choose to change the world by changing myself for the better. I plan on participating in organizations set on bettering my community and therefore changing the world. I commit to change. Women in search of safety, children in need. Lucia Martinez is a producer for KUNM's Youth Radio. KUNM is a public radio station for Northern and Central New Mexico. You've been listening to YouthCast, the next generation of sound. A glimpse into the magic eight ball of radio's future, and the outlook is good. Her commentary was podcast as part of a special focus on youth perceptions of what change means in our country after the recent election of President Barack Obama. Kamaria, I think that a lot of our listeners may not be aware that we actually spend time away from the radio station with our youth team, and in order for our young people to learn how to serve the community, that we believe that they should be out in the community. So we take them to different events and have them. Participate in different activities that are going on in the community that have to do with youth voice and um, making sure that they understand what civic engagement is all about. And as a result of our commitment to civic engagement, the youth producers decided to participate in several different activities dealing with the presidential election. These included phone banking, door knocking, and canvassing. Besides civic engagement, another principle that our youth radio project is based in is that of collaboration. And another great collaboration that the KUNM Youth Radio Project had was with the Department of Health, Office of School, and Adolescent Health. There were several wonderful programs that came from that collaboration. For one, we hosted a statewide youth radio town hall at their Head to Toe conference, having young leaders from various school health clinics participate. 
We also broadcast an hour program on the Career Clusters Initiative, interviewing youth throughout central New Mexico and also the Secretary of Workforce Solutions Department, Secretary Betty Sparrow Doris. That was a very interesting show. We aired a two-hour special on teens and sex. That was another collaboration with the Office of School and Adolescent Health and ended up being one of our more provocative shows of the year. We'd like to share a little bit of what teens have to say about sex with you this evening. Parents have told me about sex from a very young age. We were actually watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Carlton was like, I'm still a virgin, which spawned the whole, do you know what sex is? And so you have the whole initial talk, like the man puts his penis in the woman's vagina, just your normal when a man loves a woman type thing. And then as you get older, they tell me more about methods of protection and when you should possibly be looking to have sex and just let let your body decide when you're ready. That type thing for the most part, but a lot of protection and how you need to be safe and the risks involved with sex. So more of the scary aspect as it had been put before, rather than the pleasure that can come with the sex, I guess you could say. My parents have told me to choose my partner wisely, to uh, always wear a condom, and then to not have sex until I know I'm ready, and then don't do it with just anyone. (laughs) And one thing that they really put on me is that a lot of people, when they talk about sex, they put it like if it's a bad thing, if it's something that's that's wrong with us or something. But what they say and they tell me so that I know that they know is that it's nothing wrong. It's it's actually a good thing. It's just something that needs to be enjoyed when like two people that really care about each other or at least know about each other a lot. In terms of my parents talking to me about sex or you know not talking to me about sex, you know certain things that they had told me. While we've had open discussions about sexual issues and about teen pregnancy and about abortion and things like that, my personal stories or my personal feelings or my my personal experiences, that I've never brought that into our conversations. I think I waited until after I turned 18 to start telling my mother about a lot of the things I did before. Basically because it was like, well, I'm 18, I'm an adult, you can't really do much, anything more. It's like, I can't be grounded, I can't be punished. I think I kind of acknowledged the fact, you know, yeah, I I lost, you know, I I had sex when I was 13. um, And this happened to me, and this happened to me. I I had my first drink at this age, I, I smoked my first cigarette at this age. I, you know, I, I waited until after I turned 18 to start telling her all that. We hope that you enjoyed listening to that past segment and the other segments that we've provided to you this evening that highlight the good work that we've been doing here at the KUNM Youth Radio Project. We could not have provided you with this quality youth radio project without the support of our funders and sponsors, the Serdna Foundation and the New Mexico Community Foundation and KUNM. We've added a brief message from Bob Stark, who is the executive director of the New Mexico Community Foundation. I hope people support youth radio. It's really an important uh, contribution to the community not just because it provides a very important voice, the voice of youth, but it inspires and it reminds us that, in fact, we can take for granted a lot of the amazing talent and energy that we have all around us. And when, and I think Youth Radio is tapping that. Thank you, Bob, for your support and your belief in this project. The show would not be possible without the teens who show up every week ready to serve the community through the KUNM airwaves, our youth radio team that we are so, so proud of. Greetings to another remarkable edition of Youth Radio. I'm your host, Miles Anderson. And I'm your other host, Jonquilyn Hill. It's time for another great edition of Youth Radio. I'm your host, Ife Hampton. And I'm your other host, Omar Torres. We have an exciting show for you this evening. 
And this is your other host, Maya Keytown, bringing you a delightful edition of Youth Radio. Hey there, listeners. This is your host, Carson Lafferty. And this is your other host, Lucia Martinez. This is your show, Youth Radio, on K1M 89.9. Good evening, people of New Mexico, and welcome to tonight's edition of Youth Radio. I'm your host, Diana Baron moore And I'm John John Guzman. And it's your boy, Josh Horton. Our show for this week is fun-filled and fantastic. Good morning. Welcome to the KUNM Youth Radio Town Hall. We're at the 2008 Head to Toe Conference sponsored by the New Mexico Department of Health. My name is Carmen Gallegos. Wow, what an amazing year in Youth Radio. But before we go, we'd like to thank some other folks. All of the youth radio producers for 2008, Carmen Gallegos, Ife Hampton, Diana Barrenmore, Jonquilyn Hill, Carson Lafferty, Miles Anderson, John John Guzman, Lucia Martinez, Omar Torres, Maya Keaton, and Josh Horton. Because without you, youth radio would not be possible. We want to thank all of our guests, all of the young people who came up to the radio station, and all of the adults who came and shared their information and expertise as well over the past year. We also want to thank all of our featured guests for tonight's special Best of Show. We want to thank all of the guests that participated in 2008, the young people who came to the radio station and the young people who participated out in the community. Also, the adults who shared their information and their expertise for the purposes of youth radio. We also want to thank KUNM for believing that teenagers deserve to have airtime on this community radio station. Thank you to the KUNM staff for the support that you give every week and throughout the year. If you'd like to subscribe to our Youth Radio podcast, visit youth.kunm.org and click on podcasts to find our weekly segments. Also, visit our MySpace at myspace.com backslash youth radio New Mexico. And don't forget to add us as your friend. You can also see our pictures and listen to some more of our pieces. Comaria, it was a great 2008. It was. And I'm looking forward to even a better 2009. And we've had a lot of laughter and a lot of silliness and a lot of profound information. And I hope it all continues. Yep. So thank you to our listeners for tuning in this evening. And I am Roberta Rael. And I am Comaria Umi. Thank you for listening. Good night.
Support for Youth Radio on KUNM is provided in part by the New Mexico Community Foundation and the Cerdna Foundation, and by our contributing listeners.